Welcome to the Movie Planet. This week we talk about 1986's Hoosiers. With Joe. What I say when it comes to this basketball team is the law. Absolutely and without discussion. And JC. I play, coach stays, he goes, I go. I'm your host, Joe, and with me is the Norman Dale to my shooter, JC. How are you, buddy? I'm I'm doing very well. How are you doing? I am awesome. Uh, we are missing our compatriot today. Oh, Joel. Oh, Joel. Joel's Hi, Joel. uh, Joel's off in Goonie Land, right? He's in Goonie Land, and he, uh, I think he's genuinely pissed at us for the movie we're doing this week. Because <laughs> <laughs> apparently, so so at least it's a little even. I was I was gonna say I was gonna say <laughs> I, I was I was pissed when you guys like spaceballs spaceballs yeah when you guys did spaceballs without me and now we're doing Hoosiers without him yeah so it'll be all right. Hey, you know, it, I'm, it's hard to find a movie that we all think is a good movie that we do, get pissed off at. We can't do. Yeah, that's true. Now, I'm lucky because I get to be here for all of them. So. Well, you kind of have to be. It's your stuff. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because we're not. You talked. It could be one third yours. That's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, dig a new soundboard. We are testing this out today. So if there's any sound issues with this, then we can kink them out next week. Yeah, let us know. So you, we want you to write in with questions. But if something's funky with the sound, he does have a new toy. We're going to do some. Well, Joe is going to do some fancy new effects and stuff. <laughs> uh, apparently, later he's going to make me sound like God. Oh, that'd be amazing. So, so that'd be kind of cool so let us know what you think this week we'll be talking about the 1986 sports film hoosiers jc nominated this film for the sports pantheon so we will discuss that in the second hour of the show although spoiler alert i'm pretty sure we're both going to agree this uh, thing's amazing i was going to say that <laughs> this one's it's hands down yes and even anybody, just, anybody that says differently i will argue with you tooth and nail <laughs> been all over this before their top player is boyle number 15 he um Average is about 20 points a game. Buddy, you got to stick right with him. No inside penetration. Shut down those passing lanes. And you got to play tough off those boards. Negate their height advantage. Entry, it's time to take the floor. I'll get preached. Okay. Well, we're way past big speech time. Huh? I want to thank you for the last few months. It's been very special for me. Anybody have anything they want to say? Yeah. Let's win this and for all the small schools who never had a chance to get here. Okay. I want to win for my dad. Let's win for Coach. You got us here. Thank you. With God of Heaven, it is all one. To deliver with a great multitude or a small company. For the victory battle standeth not in the multitude of hosts, but strength 
cometh from heaven. And David put his hand in the bag and took out a stone and slung it. And it struck the Philistine on the head. And he fell to the ground. Amen. Amen. This week, we are discussing the 1986 sports film Hoosiers, written by Angelo Pizzo, directed by David Anspaugh, and scored by Jerry Goldsmith. Starring Gene Hackman as Coach Norman Dale, Barbara Hershey as Myra Fletcher, Dennis Hopper as Shooter, Chelsea Ross as George, and a team of basketball players who end up doing nothing more acting-wise. <laughs> I was trying to figure out what on earth they had done after, and they really haven't done anything. Nothing. A little trivia to start us off about this film. This movie was made for $6 million and brought in $28.6 million. Angelo oh Pizzo and David Anspaugh shopped the script for two years before finding an investor for the project. However, they were only offered a budget of $6 million, forcing the crew to hire most of the cast, playing the Hickory basketball team and many of the extras from the local community around New Richmond. That's pretty cool. That is cool. Yeah. Gene Hackman predicted this movie was going to be a career killer. Ended up being one of the most beloved sports movies in history. Way to get it wrong, Hackman. <laughs> Angelo Pizzo, David Anspaugh, and Jerry Goldsmith are also responsible for another, another amazing sports movie, Rudy. Yeah. This movie is based off the true story. It is not, first off, I need to figure out how to word this. This movie is inspired, it's not based on, it's inspired by the true story of the Milan basketball team from Indiana who won the state championship in 1953 and 1954. They actually had two great uh, sort of Cinderella seasons and, and uh, uh, sort of unbelievable seasons, 1952 to 1953 and 1953 to 1954 when they won the state championship. Pizzo and Anspa built their script around both of those seasons. So little aspects of all of the various games you watch. The games are actual exact retellings of the Milan seasons. It's just they're out of order. And some of the scores are different. Exactly. Like, so they change things. Uh, one of the coolest things, uh, the character of Jimmy Chitwood, uh, the character in the movie, is actually based off Bobby Plump, uh, who was the real-life uh, game winner for the uh, Milan High School. So, again, the connections there are, are pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, what's your history with this movie? Do you remember the first time you saw this movie, Joe? Uh, I had to be in my teens. I, I, I was always a big basketball fan. Growing up in Metro Detroit, you were a bad boys fan. Uh, bad boys. Yeah. Bad boys. The Pistons were it, and thus a consistent underdog. You always felt like one because you were never respected as a Pistons fan. That's never. true. Uh, that you still are. It, I, I, I still hold on to that. Uh, I loved playing basketball for school and always felt like that underdog because I was a small kid that could actually play. Uh, when I saw this movie, it was one of the first films I cried from a film watching. Uh, to this day, it does the same thing at the exact same spot now that I've coached. Yeah, I also I have I mean I have a similar story. I my parents got this for me when I started playing basketball. Mm -hmm. Um it was a Christmas present or a birthday present or an Easter present, it was one of those. And I watched it a lot. I remember thinking, wow, I hate this coach. And it was one of those <laughs> things like as a kid, I loved the movie because I felt like everything in that movie I experienced. Like that's how practices were. Yeah. And 
Now as an adult, having been a coach, I'm like, it wasn't as bad. Like sometimes we think, oh, well, when we when we had to play, it was so rough. These coaches still cared about us. Yes, they screamed and yelled. Yes, they did all this stuff, but they genuinely cared and they were trying to make us better. And and it just, man, this movie is awesome. It's it really fantastic. is great. I, it, it, but I, I, I Yeah, I watched it as a kid and, and it spoke to me because, of course, I play basketball. I can't remember exactly when I watched it. I just I know I watched it very young. I was thrilled when you picked this movie. And this has been an emotional week for me, movie-wise, because I watched Hoosiers twice this week. Nice. And then you and I went to go see Logan. Which, <laughs> it's like... Tearjerker, man. Good God. Tearjerker. <laughs> Thank God I saw Power Rangers yesterday. It put me back on an even keel. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. So, you want to give us a synopsis? In 1951, Norman Dale arrives in the rural southeast Indiana town of Hickory to become a high school teacher and head basketball coach. He was hired by Cletus Summers, the principal and a longtime friend of Dale's. Dale, just out of the Navy, even though he looks like he's much older than that, <laughs> had been a champion collegiate coach until he struck one of his players. The coaching position in Hickory is a last chance for him. I like how they set this up. I do, too. Uh, he seems desperate. He seems very humble. What I realized watching it recently, yeah. I had to watch it with subtitles. I forgot how damn quiet this movie is. Oh, yeah. Like, you almost have to have your volume the whole way up, and it makes me, like, watching it as an adult, it's like, damn, I missed a lot of this as a kid, mm -hmm. and it's probably because I didn't hear it. I wore it on, like, I watched it on normal volume, and you literally have to crank it up, and when I watched it with subtitles, I'm like, oh, that's what he's saying. Like, there were so many, especially in this opening part. Yeah. Like, when they, the, it's the two of them talking and the whole last chance thing, mm -hmm. I completely missed all of that the first couple times I watched it. The beginning of this movie where they do the credits over the landscapes you see of Indiana. Yeah. And how beautiful that is. It reminded me of Man from Snowy River, actually. Oh. Yeah. And I was like, because I remember liking that part of it. I was like, they really do photograph this well. And that it is literally in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And you don't see much civilization out there. You see corn. Yep. Uh, so, humble guy, middle of nowhere, and... This is his last chance. And I love the, the whole thing is about second chances, which I love. Yes. Okay. Like much of the state, Hickory is passionate about basketball. The townspeople are aware that the best player in town, Jimmy Chitwood, does not intend to play on this season's team due to his attachment to the previous coach and the concern of hometown faculty My member Myra Fleener, who has been looking after Jimmy since his mother's illness and warns Dale not to try to persuade Jimmy to change his mind. Myra is... From the get-go, kind of a bitch. Not kind of. She is. She's flat-out <laughs> rude and condescending. But I love that because this movie, as you watch it, is almost a historical film for two points. A, it's retelling pieces and parts of an actual thing that happened. Okay. But it's also a perfect snapshot of what life was like in the 50s. Yes, it is. Like, this is a perfect snapshot. This is almost a historical film now because... My son has no idea that this is what life was like. This is what gymnasiums used to look like. This is what teachers used to sound like. This is how towns used to deal with shit. Yeah. Like, all of this, the town meetings, everything, the way she's rude to him, like, this feels like small town that I grew up in, like, where I came from. This is how if people were rude to you because they're like, yeah, what are you going to do about it? Like, you, this is how people were. They do a great job of immediately getting the audience to be a part of the town. Yes. Because mm -hmm. there's not a lot of interaction, but what it is is very personal interaction. 
like very private interaction. Like everybody knows everybody's business. You instantly get why it's a small town. Oh yeah. The school enrollment is so small that Dale has only seven players on his squad. At this, at his first practice, Dale quickly dismisses one Buddy Walker for not paying attention and leaving and talking while the coach is talking. Another Wit Butcher walks out in support of his friend. Actually, he walked out because he was kind of like he was a little asshole. That's all he was. He was (laughs) he was forced out. No, well, his buddy was Buddy Walker was an asshole. asshole. Wit Butcher he left because he was peer pressured into yeah. Uh, leaving Dale with only five players, the minimum needed to play. He then begins drilling the remaining five players, Raid Butcher, Merle Webb, Everett Flatch, and Strap Pearl, and equipment manager Ollie McLennan. With fundamentals and conditioning, but no scrimmages or shooting, much to the players' dislike. Because <laughs> we've all had that coach that never does what you want. But as you learn, coaches aren't there to be your friend. They're nope. to get the best out of you and make you better for it. Townsmen who have heard of the coach's non-traditional approach to working with the team intrude on a practice and demand to know what Dale is doing. However, Witt's father arrives with his son in tow and makes his son apologize to Dale for walking out and ask for another chance. My dad totally did this. Yeah. Like, and I wish parents would do this. Parents don't force their kids to apologize. Today, they expect par- us to apologize, apologize to, to the them. kids. Yes, like... I had to do this as a kid. If I was rude to an adult, my father dragged me by the scuff of my shirt, and I apologized in front of him. And if I wasn't sincere, yeah, I was corrected in front of who I was supposed to be apologizing to. It's how you learn respect and authority. Yes, there is a hierarchy to life. I'm sorry if you disagree with that. Yeah, but there is a hierarchy. I'm not saying uh, it's a great thing. I know I'm certainly not at the top, but it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Yeah. Mr. Butcher then shows his support of Dale by ushering the townsmen out of the gym. With the team having worked on a four-pass offense, Dale remains committed to this approach in the opening game of the season. I stole this when I started coaching. (laughs) I totally stole this. I remember this movie. I had students. I had my players for my basketball team Mm -hmm. because I started coaching basketball, ironically which is a sport I never was good at, but it's the first thing I ever coached was fifth and sixth grade basketball. Mm-hmm. And I had them do a play, and it was the only play I would do. I had players that, well, can we try this? No. This is what you practiced. This is what you know, and we're going to build on from it. This is what you do. I totally stole that yeah. from Hoosiers. Right. I completely did. You were inspired. By I was inspired by yeah. it. Uh, Raid Butcher disobeys him and repeatedly shoots successfully without passing. Dale benches him. And when another player fouls out, refuses to let Raid return to the game, leaving his team with only four players on the floor to the jeers of the home crowd. I I have done this. I've done this too. (laughs) I have purposely taken players out that I know are the best players. I do it with soccer. I do it with basketball. I've done, and parents are livid with me at the end. All of this I was inspired to do because of Hoosiers, because there is what's right, and then sometimes the end does not justify the means. I, as a coach, care more about the means than the ends. I don't care about the score. I tell it all the time when I give my coaching speech. You've heard it yep. uh, on my sideline during soccer season. I don't care about the end. My job is to teach you the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to call out one of our listeners right now, a student of mine that I had a long time ago, uh, Maymay. Maymay, uh, I hope you don't mind me telling you the story, but uh, Maymay was one of my eighth-grade soccer players, and he was brilliant, brilliant at, at soccer. Still is. Uh, when I first got a hold of him, though, he was a one-man team, and he scored like three goals 
in one of our games at the very beginning, and I pulled him. And he, he was like, why? And I was like, because you're not passing the ball at all. And he sat there just, you know, you, know you know what you were doing. You were sitting there pouting like a little baby. Uh, and then you ended up be, he ended up being one of our captains on the team and a tremendous leader when he got to high school. Yeah. Because he, he had to have that hum, 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 uh, humbling moment. Uh, but Humility is good for everybody. Yeah. But, Mamie, you know, I, I appreciate everything you did with the team, but you remember how you were. You were a bit of a pain in the ass. <laughs> so Raid is benched in a subsequent game when an opposing player pushes his finger into Coach Dale's chest during an on-court argument. During a timeout, Raid, who was benched, jumps to his coach's defense and hits the player on the jaw. After the ensuing the ensuing brawl, Cletus, who had been assisting Dale in coaching, suffers a mild heart attack. Now, I love the fact I that love- when they're walking away, he's like, I got him good, didn't I, Coach? And yeah, Coach goes, Yes, you did. Yes, you did. <laughs> because you, and that's the other thing. You will eventually bond. And yeah. the bond, the, the, the coach is not, I am not supposed to be your friend. Mm-hmm. But I will respect you and you will respect me. And we will bond over that. We're not going to bond because we're friends. We're going to bond because we respect each other. And that is the heart of this movie. You bond with people because you respect them, not because they give you what you want or what you think you want. It's something that this writer does really well, which is... Get it so that you don't see a specific point where they bond. It's just all of a sudden you realize, oh my gosh, they they've respect been, each other. They've been doing it over time. And there, there is no moment where, oh, that's when they came. No. Right. It just, you don't see it's it. It's so gradual, it catches up on you. By the end of the film, you're like, oh, they like each other. Yeah. Wait, when did they like each other? There was no moment. Because there could have been one, I'm getting a little ahead of here, but there could have been a moment where... The entire team could have done something like, we quit. We're not going to play if you get rid of the coach and all this stuff. They didn't do that. No. And they didn't do that because they needed to continue to move on. And they did a really nice job also of, you know, this is all happening. You're starting to see this uh, feeling of bondness between these players, and they're still losing. Yep. And and the crowd hates it. Which is very, as a coach, you know, is hard to do because winning cures everything. Yep. But if you can bond together while losing, you got something even better. Exactly. The coach further alienates the community by having the team play with a slow defensive style that does not immediately produce results <laughs> and also by losing his temper, causing him to be ejected from multiple games. Every time he gets ejected, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> with Cletus laid up, Dale invites knowledgeable local former star basketball player Wilbur, Wilbur Shooter Flatch, Everett's alcoholic father, to uh. join him on the bench as a new assistant. This, too, confounds the town, including Everett, who comes to him after class. And I love this scene. That's another scene where this creates a historical perspective. This scene is one where you see the kid. He clearly wants to say something, and Gene Hackman just sits there. Mm-hmm. Like I've had, I've had that same situation with teachers where I stay after class. I'm uncomfortable. I'm nervous. And the teacher won't start the conversation. Yeah. Like, you're almost like, please talk to me so I don't have to do this myself. And they are just going to wait there until you get the courage to talk up. And he doesn't yet. Like, students today would come into my class screaming and yelling at me, you're going to do this or my mom do And I'm not saying this to bitch and moan. I'm saying this because it's fact. Yes. Students are different now. I have never had a student just wait quietly after class. If anything, they come <laughs> running at me or screaming at me because they want something. And this student sat there 
He waited. He was bothered. He stands up, respectfully says, I don't understand what you're doing with my dad. I just don't get it. And it's such an honest, emotional feeling. The basketball players don't have a whole lot of lines in this movie. And that's probably one of the most powerful because it's short, but it's so real. It's like, I, I know what you're trying to do with your my with my dad. I just don't get it. I uh, and I, it's so power. It's such a powerful moment in the film. Yeah, I get. I got to give the actor Everett a lot of credit too because he's clearly older than a high school student oh, as yeah. an actor. Uh, but he plays a nervous high school kid so Perfect. well. Yes. Uh, but he's also got that edge of I'm the man of the house, and like, I have to take. Care I have to take of my care dad. of him. Uh, and, You're making my life harder now. I, it is an honest conversation that I almost wish Myra hadn't interrupted because I would like to see where it gone. But I also think it's appropriate that she interrupted because she continues to be the mother hen that won't let anything alone. Yeah. Like, these boys got to grow up at some point. Some point. (laughs) The coach has one major stipulation in order for Shooter to participate with the team. He must be sober at all times around the boys. I'd like you to leave my house. Please leave my house. And again, very like. Respect is at the center of this movie. Where the fuck is respect gone in society? As I curse loudly. (laughs) By the middle of the season, an emergency town meeting is called to vote on whether Dale should be dismissed. Gleaner appreciates the coaches having stayed away from Jimmy and his efforts with Shooter, and despite having learned of Dale's past mistakes and volatile behavior patterns as a coach, she unexpectedly expresses support for him at the meeting. I'm sorry, but I laugh out loud at that every time. Because here's what I laugh I'm at. I'm listening. Here's what I laugh at. <laughs> she gets all nervous. Like, you can see she's preparing this big emotional. You see the tears welling. She brings out this big sheet of paper. And, she like, she takes the time to unfold this large sheet of paper. You think, this big, long, heartfelt speech is coming. I think you should stay. And she, it's like... And it's good for two... I laugh, but then it's also good because it's like, maybe she had a huge, giant speech prepared, and how many times have you maybe gotten up in public and you like you have these words, and you cower, you're terrified, and you can't do it, and so you just go off, but she still says the heart of her matter, which is, he should stay, you guys should give him a chance. And it's it's powerful, even though it makes me chuckle every time I see it. And there's something that I get, that I, I caught uh, a few times uh, when I saw it, which was, before the scene... She has a piece of paper she confronts him with, which is the news article about what happened. And uh-huh. that's also folded up in the same manner. And I'm wondering oh, if when she the- goes up there, she was going to read that article, but looked at it and said, he needs a second I chance I didn't from make this. that connection. Maybe that is what it was. And because as soon as she unfolded, I was like, oh, she's going to call him out and just put dirt on the grave. And because when she's, she's not reading it, she's kind of glancing at it. Her eyes aren't moving. And then she says it and just, crumples it up and puts it away. And I wonder right. if that you're, was the article. You're right. Yeah, that was the article. Which, you're absolutely correct. But that, I, I, well, I don't know, because they never actually tell you whether it is or not, but, but that's, he, that's what I get out but, of it. But taking what you said, you have to go back to his eyes, and he looks terrified. Oh, yeah. When he sees her stand up, he's like, this is it. Mm-hmm. Like, she's going to read... She does not like me. <laughs> she's going to read that article. And then, when he hears what she has to say, he is... He only looked... The entire rest of that scene... All of the people talking, even when Jimmy comes in, he doesn't look at them. Yeah. He is looking at her the whole time. Now, they, she, here, I shouldn't say that she doesn't like him, but they have been warming up to each other to this point. Thank you, Mama. Uh, Mama's been helping. Yeah, they've been warming up to each other because he stayed away from Jimmy Chitwood. Yes. And she respects that. She, he's respected all of her wishes. Yes. 
And yet, he still keeps coming around because, you know, she's an attractive lady. So, you know, why not? And it is Hickory. Farmer's daughter, as he says. <laughs> Just as the vote is being counted, speaking of Jimmy, he enters the meeting and asks permission to speak. He says he is ready to begin playing basketball again. And, and the we don't goes crazy. And we don't get an explanation. Yeah. And throughout the entire movie, you never know why he started playing basketball again. You don't know. You have your ideas, you have your suspicions, but it's never told to you. And I love that. I love that they don't tell you exactly why things happen. Well, he is present whenever there is a controversial thing that happens with the coach. They do you shoot. See, he, they he see him looking the, and walk away. And I think he's starting to see there's something in this coach that he saw in his previous coach. Who, his previous coach passed away, didn't he? Yeah, he was killed. Yeah. Or, yeah, he died. Uh, so he start, I think he sees that because he was nervous at first. And maybe the nerves got the best of him at the beginning. So everyone cheers. There's one rude townsperson that says, see, as soon as we got rid of him, we knew Jimmy come back. George. And then Jimmy <laughs> says he will only play if Dale remains coach. Yeah. And again, the same George character goes, but it's already been voted. Then everybody's like, I think we should revote. And that's Myra's what, mother says it. That's what would happen <laughs> in town. Yeah. Towns sway so quickly. I'm not saying it's fair, but you can be beloved and hated by a town in the blink of an eye. And that's just truth. Yeah. So, like, people that hate this movie or say bad things about this movie probably either A, haven't watched it, or B, they don't want to face the truth that this movie tells the truth all the time. It There's doesn't a chance he might be in the wrong business, Rogers. Yeah. <laughs> the ballot count is reported and it has gone against Dale, but Fleener's mother jumps up and calls for a revote. Mr. Butcher calls for a voice vote from the assembly, and the townspeople overwhelmingly vote for Dale to stay on as coach. From this point, Hickory becomes a nearly unstoppable team. Montage ensues. They are unstoppable in every way, including in the editing department, because as they're doing this, do you notice the scoreboard isn't keeping track properly? No. <laughs> but it also, they'll reuse the same shots. It's like, wait, that, that that's not the team? Okay. Somebody wasn't paying attention when they edited But somebody this. woke up Jerry Goldsmith and said, okay, can you do something pretty cool here that people oh. like? And the montage with the music is epic. <laughs> and seriously, who doesn't love this theme? Oh. Um, along the way, Dale proves Shooter's value to the townspeople and to Shooter himself by intentionally getting himself ejected from a game and forcing Shooter to show his coaching ability. Shooter does just that by describing Diagramming, sorry, That's diagramming okay. a play by which Hickory wins the game on a last-second shot. Despite the setback in which Shooter arrives drunk to a game and ends up in a hospital, the team advances through tournament play with contributions from unsung players such as the pint-sized Ollie and the devoutly religious Strap. God wants you on the court. Dude, <laughs> and those two free-throw shots... Like, I was Ollie. I totally was Ollie okay. growing up. I, I just, well, I do remember watching as a kid, I identified with Ollie because mm -hmm. I was always too short and everybody always told me I couldn't play, which I, I can't. I, uh, I, I, what I, there's the scene where Shooter finally draws up the first play and it works and this confidence he has when they come back and, to the huddle. And then and his he, son he, goes, What are we doing, Dad? Yeah. Well, he, he draws up the play and he goes, Okay, well, we're doing this, this, and they get the ball back. And then he goes, like, get back to the hug. And he's, it's like he's back in his zone again. Yep. And I love the way he delivers the final part, which is don't get caught watching the paint dry. And the smiles on all the kids. And it's like he got a second chance and he made the best out of it. Exactly. Loved it. 
Hickory shocks the state by reaching the championship game in Indianapolis in a large arena and before a crowd bigger than any they've seen the Hickory players face long odds to defeat the defending state champions from South Bend, whose players are taller and more athletic. But what does Dale do? He gets a tape measure. He measures the length of the free throw line, 15 (laughs) feet. He measures the height of the basketball hoop, 10 feet. And the players all chuckle because, again, in perfect Coach Dale fashion, he points out, it's the same court, guys. But then as he's walking away, he goes, it is a big It is. It but is of course, and, and again, we as coaches, we say things to the players for them, and then they go off, and then to ourselves, we're like, damn, we're fucked. Gene Hackman's <laughs> comedy in this is brilliant. I, it kind of saddens me whenever I read that he thought this was a career killer because there's no. he did everything. He is the star of this movie. Oh, he yeah. did great in this movie. With Chitwood scoring at the last second, Tiny Hickory takes home the 1952 Indiana State Championship. Spoiler alert. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. All right, we've seen this. It's been 1952. Spoiler (laughs) alert. (laughs) For a fictional thing that didn't actually happen. (laughs) All right, what did you think after watching this film, Joe? Okay, this is such a solid film. If you've ever played sports, but... I think even if you haven't, there's enough character development between the coach and the town that you truly feel it when Coach Normandale looks at his boys and utters, I love you guys. Yes. Because you love this whole thing now. You, I want to live in Hickory after seeing this. You, you want to be around the people that you love. You want to cheer. It, I get goosebumps every time I watch it. As soon as I finish watching this film both times, um, the boy happened to be playing around, and I instantly went over and hugged him. Yeah, like there was just there was a desire during the cheering, and when you zoom in on the picture, to just hug whatever you love because this movie makes you feel. Well, I'll get into what I love about it later. Okay, so, well, so did the awards get it right? All right, nineteen eighty-seven. Can I do these? Oh yeah, sorry, okay. I forgot that you read these. Uh, Golden Globes. Best performance by an actor in a supporting role in a motion picture went to Tom Berenger. You like Tom Berenger. And he was good in Platoon. Yeah. He was good in Platoon. Uh, Dennis Hopper was up for Hoosiers. And Blue Velvet. And Blue Velvet. I mean, this is this is the second time we've seen a guy who's nominated twice in the same awards, because Al Pacino was. Al Pacino was, was last time. Yeah. For when we were talking about Do you think Dennis Hopper should have won this? Not for Hoosiers. Okay. No, not for Hoosiers. And not over Tom Berenger and Platoon. Well, that was the only one at the Golden Globes that Hoosiers was up for. Yeah. Now, at the Academy Awards, Best Actor in Supporting Role went to Michael Caine and Hannah and Her Sisters. And I put this in here. Co-presenter Sigourney Weaver accepted the award on Caine's behalf as he could not attend the ceremony due to production on Jaws The Revenge. Caine later said of the poorly received third sequel to Jaws, I've never seen it, but by all accounts, it is terrible. However, I have seen the house that it built, and it is terrific. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great answer. <laughs> but Dennis Hopper again was uh, nominated for this, did not get the award. It went to Michael Caine. Yeah. Uh, there was another one, Best Music, went to Herbie Hancock around midnight. But look at the names that are on here yeah. James Horner for Aliens, uh, Jerry Goldsmith for Hoosiers, Annie O'Mora Cohn for The Mission, and Leonard Rosenman for Star Trek IV The Voyage Home. I In mean, my personal opinion, yeah. it should have been The Mission. Okay. Oh my God. God, I love them. Nella Fantasy is still to this day is a song that puts tears to my eyes. I get goosebumps when I hear it. And what Morricone did with that soundtrack, I think the Mission soundtrack should have won it. I have no idea what Round Midnight is about. I've never heard of it. Mm. In my opinion, the rank should have been the Mission, then Hoosiers, because that soundtrack makes the movie suspenseful. Okay. The Mission, Hoosiers, Aliens, Star Trek. And then I'm putting around Midnight last because I've never heard it. So yeah. I'm going to judge it if I've never heard it. For me, I would put, like, you really couldn't go wrong because as soon as I saw 
Herbie Hancock around midnight one, I was like, okay, I gotta listen to it. So I kind of checked it out on iTunes to see what it was and everything. It's a beautiful piece of music. Okay. Uh, but um, I'd have to say for me, I can't. When I think of aliens, I think of that, like that that Terminator two almost feel yeah. to it, and it's very militaristic. For the Star Trek one, you know, they borrow a lot from what they heard before. Well, but. And for the mission, it's a phenomenal one. Jerry, you can't go wrong with any of these, really. You yeah. really can't. I mean, they're all solid. I don't think it doesn't matter who won. They should just get all five of you win. There you go. Yeah. But uh, what worked well for you in the movie? Oh, no. You, yeah. you say it what, for me. Yeah. <laughs> what worked well for you in this movie, Joe? What were your favorite parts? Well, the score. Yes. Although repetitive, it gets me every time. And when he gets kicked out of the games, it's fantastic. The pep talk when they arrived at the arena for the championship is fantastic. The I love you guys gets me every single time. Uh, and I love watching. I, I didn't put that in there, but I love watching how the town gets starts to grow slow to get behind him. Even though Jimmy Chitwood is the reason why he's there, they start to love the fact that he's uh, winning now because winning cures everything. Exactly. Yeah. What about you? Respect and second chances. I love this movie is about respect and second chances, and that is hammered home to you all the time. And I love that every single coaching speech he has given everyone in every practice, I have reworked and used. Yeah. Uh, full disclosure, I have copied it. I have used it. I may not have said it word for word, but the heart of what he is trying to get from his players, how he's coaching his players, I have said all of those things to players that I have coached. So okay. if I'm literally copying his coaching style, I must have liked it. Yeah. Uh, the uh, My favorite scenes are... The scenes where I got, I really got him good, coach. I love that scene uh, yeah. right after he punched him. Of course, people would be like, oh, the Chippy Chitwood scenes. No, the opening practice when he kicks the two boys out. I love that scene. Yeah. I love uh, the. How about when he confronts Chitwood on his own basketball court and he says. I f- that one actually fell out of place. See, I, I like that because for me, it's so great because, first of all, he never misses until, until he, he says. Up. I don't care if you play or not. And that right there, hammering home, like, and then he misses, and it's like, okay, he's gotten to Jimmy Chitwood now. No, that's that's a great scene. I just, yeah. uh, part of me, well, never mind. There's a, there's that, a, there, that'll, that'll come into my what I, what I didn't think. There about. is something that was edited out of the version that I saw on Amazon Prime. What's and that? that is, when he's making all those shots, at one point, Gene Hackman grabs the ball, and he kind of looks up the hoop like it's supernatural for a second. And he passes it to him. And in the Amazon Prime version, that never happens. Oh, really? Yeah. And I'm wondering if that there's like a, that, that's like an alternate take that was in there that they put on for the TV. Maybe. Because I, that was one of the things I was like, okay, he's going to look up the basketball hoop and see how the hell is that going in there all the time? <laughs> but he is a fantastic shooter. I mean, I, I kind of wonder how many times they had to film that scene. Uh, the kid seemed like a genuinely good player anyway, so maybe yeah. not that much. Um, my other favorite scene... Uh, isn't the vote you would a lot of people would say it was the vote it is the speech on the basketball court about the measuring mm. and it is the speech right before the game those are probably my two favorite scenes in the whole movie yeah is when he measures the basketball court to make it real for them that's that's just great yeah it is what didn't work for you in this movie uh not a whole lot but i i put i can understand why the men in the town are jerks at the beginning of this film i mean it's, they run the town. It's their basketball team. I get it. It's 1952. Yeah. Okay. An unknown comes in to change the way things have been done for many years, but I don't really get the cold-hearted nature that Myra shows to Norman from the get-go. If this was to show that Norman has no allies in this town, 
then they should have made his hire be one of desperation on the town's side rather than give a favor to a friend down on his luck. That's the only story choice I think they could have changed a little bit. Um, that, you know, some of the editing things are nitpicky. You know, at one point they make a basket and it's 26 points. On the very same game, they make another basket, it's at 14. And you're like, okay, they, they shot it out of order to make it work, but it works with the music, so yeah. well done. I, you know what I didn't like? I didn't like the fact that not a lot of people saw this movie. At oh. 20, what was it, 28.6 million? 28.6 million off of 6 million. Like, if you're a producer and you see this film, how do you not say, I know we've got this in limited release, we need to put this in wide release? Especially now, like, if, if this movie is shown, like, people should go see it. It's just, it's so great. Yeah. So, what about you? There are things that I didn't like. But I don't think anything didn't work. And that's mm-hmm. a, we were the question, what didn't work in this movie? Nothing. Everything worked. Mm-hmm. But there are things I didn't like. I didn't like the townspeople. They were rude, but you're not supposed to like them. I didn't like that Jimmy Chitwood is kind of seen as a savior. Yeah. Like, part of me genuinely wishes that he would have never played. And that he w- they would have still won as far as movie story. Now, I know why Jimmy Chitwood does come in, because he relates to the real-life uh, basketball player. I get that. Mm-hmm. But... Part of me wishes for storytelling that it would have been the team that came together and they would have gone on to win and all that. Um, so that, but again, that's nitpicky stuff. And Myra, I completely agree with you. She is rude from the get go, yeah. and I don't understand why. And I love his responses. He's like, "So this is how you talk to people," or I, I don't understand. Like, all why of, do you hate this town so much? All, I think he asked her. All, all of the all of the things that Gene Hackman says are the perfect responses <laughs> for, like when he's grilled. Well, good night, gentlemen. Yeah. Like, it's the old adage, when you don't have anything nice to say, you don't anything, say anything at all. Respect and second chances, that's what this movie's about. It's fantastic. Who is the audience for this film? Sports fans. Sport, I think the audience, direct, when they made this film, it was sports fans. In the, this was made in when, 1986? 1986. Yeah, so it's the middle of the Lakers-Celtics rivalry. Yeah. Okay? And for some reason, that was like the renaissance of the NBA when you had Bird versus Magic during that time. Uh, this, but not a lot of people were watching those games because it didn't have like national television yet. No. Uh, so sports fans, I know as soon as I said, it, I was like, that's not a word. Um, so I think it's for sports fans because at the time there weren't a lot of them. And so they were probably thinking we can't do this wide release because maybe it won't work. Maybe not enough people care yet. And that, and that's, see, the sad thing is, is I agree with you. I think this movie is for sports fans. Mm-hmm. My opinion, everybody should go see this movie. Today, I would say yeah, that, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. If you are listening to this podcast, go watch. If you've never seen Hoosiers, mm-hmm. go watch Hoosiers. You cannot tell me. I don't care if you hate sports. You can absolutely hate sports. But my guess is, after you've seen this movie, you will love the movie. It doesn't. People, even people that are like, oh, well, it's dated to the 1950s. That's how it was. Yeah. That's what people were like. That's what basketball uniforms looked like. That's how people played. Oh, that's not bad. No, that's what the basketball was that I grew up with. That is fundamental basketball. basketball. I think people would say, oh, well, it's not as good as today's game. It doesn't detract. Today's game is different. Today's game has more style. Today's game is a video game. Yes. <laughs> they, they, the reason that you allow people to travel and walk six steps and jump and do all this stuff is because people want to be entertained by a video game, and that's what basketball has become. Yeah. Watch this to realize this is what basketball was. Mm-hmm. And it, they're both great. I'm not saying one is better than the other. They're different. And part of me wishes that they were different categories for the, for the 
stats and all of this stuff because <laughs> but that's going down a rabbit hole that nobody's gonna follow me. Um Movie report card, A, B, C, D, F, in the sports genre, Joe. Okay, my final say on this. I, I wrote a big thing here because you did. I had to think about this, and it, it, I, I think I came up with a good metaphor for this. This is the second movie we've done in a row that has to deal with small-town politics. Yeah, and the does. third movie in a row, they had Gene Hackman's name attached to it. Because you remember in Jaws, he was approached to play Brody. Mm-hmm. Uh, the writing paces the story nicely and balances the time away from the court and the time on the court beautifully. The injection of Dennis Hopper's performance as the town drunk is a fantastic ad, and having him be the father to one of the boys on the team is a brilliant move. Director David Anspaugh uses the actors in this like chess pieces. The players are like pawns. They're there to do some of the dirty work, but ultimately have the least amount of story attached. The townspeople are your rooks and bishops, polarizing with no gray area. Half think side to side, the other half think diagonally. Neither is able to think one way or the other beyond that rigidity. Norman is your knight who moves in in an unconventional way, yet is quite powerful because it's hard to predict his moves. Myra is your king, thinking one step ahead, but very vigilant in how she steps. And Jimmy Chitwood is your queen, the most powerful piece on the board and the most powerful piece in the town. When you plug in the writing and directing with Jerry Goldsmith's upbeat score, you can't help but love this movie, and you cheer on this team out loud at certain points. You feel the struggle when it's necessary, the embarrassment, the sadness, the desperation, the wins, everything. This movie makes people who don't like sports feel what it's like to win at a sport. This is an A in my estimation. That's probably one of the most beautiful analogies you've ever written. I love the rooks, the bishops, the... Wow, that was beautifully. Written, I put some dude. thought into that one. You did. <laughs> <laughs> I love this movie. <laughs> that's like that's podcast gold. Oh, no, that's that Nick was lush. <laughs> now I don't. I don't know what. I agree with everything you said. All <laughs> I, every, like seriously, the chessboard like comparison that you just did was awesome. But to end the love fest, because our listeners love it more when we hate, I'm going <laughs> to give this a D minus. No, Wait, I'm, what? No. <laughs> No, see, this is my second chance to do it over again. Oh, okay. Respect and se- second chances. Yes. This movie is about respect and second chances, two things everyone in the world needs. Everyone in the world needs respect, and they need second chances. Mm-hmm. Everyone. Always. It's an A. All right. So it's going to the Pantheon for it's sports. in the Pantheon. Oh, I'm so happy it is. If this movie was released on Blu-ray, would you buy it, bin it, stream it, borrow it, or forget about it? All right. I'd bin this. The only reason I'd, blue, I'd buy the Blu-ray at full value is if it had mountains of extras <laughs> behind the scenes and whatnot. But my guess is that this film doesn't have too much. There was a book written about it, but nothing actually filmed, so it's a five ninety nine bargain bin purchase for me. Yeah, I'd also bin it, but I'd bin it because it's cheap and everyone should still own it. So everyone should have it. But don't go out and buy it full price. You can find it for cheap. So go find it in a bargain bin. All right. Well, here's what I know. I know that in two weeks, we are going to be reviewing DC's Green Lantern. The Ryan Reynolds, often made fun of, attempt at an extended universe right before Iron Man and the Dark Knight start to hit. So make sure that you uh, do your homework and watch Green Lantern, the extended version. Don't watch the regular one. Watch the extended one. It'll make more sense. And then in two weeks, we'll be talking about Green Lantern. After that, we got the Alien franchise, which will be the next six uh, six shows. Yeah, six shows of <laughs> Alien movies. Hope we enjoy that.
Well, that's all I got time for today, Movie Planeteers. You can email the Movie Planet using the address movieplanetpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to pass the word on to your friends about the show. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Overcast, Podbean, or Spotify, and help the show get on its feet with a four- or five-star review. Tweet with any questions, comments, theories, and I'll try to fit them into the show next time we're on the air. Send those tweets to at MoviePlanetPod, and like us on Facebook and Instagram using the links in the show notes. Special thanks to Twisterium and SoundJ Music for providing our intro music and our ending music. Thanks for listening, and happy movie-watching. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.